Good morning. We're in a new series, Time, Treasure, Talent. And if you've been a part of the orchard, you knew, you know, we usually take a book of the Bible and spend, what, 16 years going through it, but we're doing a three-week series and so um, I'm going to try to condense, you know, six months of content into one Sunday. So welcome. Today's going to be a good two hours. And we're excited to have you here if you're guests of ours. We're talking about time, treasure, and talent. And today we're going to talk about time. We all know time, right? You guys are going to be very conscious of time as I'm going through this as you're like, come on, pastor. It's about time. It's time to get going. It's time to land the plane. We'll t- we're going to look at Ephesians 5, 15 through 16. Listen as I read through this. Be careful how you live. Don't live as a fool, but instead live as one who is wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Now, a few things to look at. It mentions time. Make the most of every opportunity. The word there is time. Make the most of your time because the days are evil. Now, when we hear words like evil, we think of Lord of the Rings and things like that. Evil is not something we really think about in our world, evil days. But the word here doesn't just mean evil. The word, if you go into it, means full of hardships, pressed down, harassed, full of peril and annoyances. Can we all agree that the days we live in are hardship, that we have hardships, annoyances, and peril? That we're pressed down that we're harassed, that there's stresses of life. We live in a culture that has these things, and because of that, because even the evil in our culture, in our world, in these days, we are told to be wise and make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of your time. Now, there's two words for time I'm gonna talk about today that are in the New Testament. The first one is chronos. Everybody say chronos. It's where we get the word chronology, chronological. It's, it's as time moves. This is clocks. This is calendars. The second one is called kairos. Say kairos. It doesn't mean chronological. It doesn't mean calendar. It means the right or opportune moment, the supreme moment. Chronos counts the minutes. Kairos captures the moments. And this is the two sides of time that we deal with. Let's look first at Kronos. First, we have to admit that God does not live within our time. Time is something we've constructed. Time is something that we need, but God lives outside of time. He is not on our clock. The Bible says for God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. He's outside of time. He can move in and through it and he can move out of it. But for us, we have a relationship with time. Sundials back in the day, in the 14th century, the mechanical clock was invented, but it had no minute hand, just one big hour hand. Then in uh, the 1500s, the clock in Wales had a, a new thing where it would shine every quarter hour instead of just every hour. So now we're marking time differently every quarter hour. In the 1670, the minute hand became commonplace. Can you imagine that? Now we can count the minutes. Then in uh, 18th century, we find portable timekeeping devices more common. And in 1786, England exported 80,000 clocks to kick it off. And we've been on the clock ever since. And I looked up some current stats from the Swiss watch industry. And they put out a press release for their 2017 sales. You guys saw this, right? You guys look for this? The Swiss clock industry's 2017 press release. It said right here, it's like, they... um, the total was almost $12 billion in sales. 
Like we love Kronos. We love, we love to keep track of our calendars and our times. We have a deep relationship, love and hate, with time. And, and there's classes, there's seminars, there's books about how to improve yourself and improve how you interact with Kronos. Time management, it's important. And the psalmist in the, in the Bible even says to, to number your days. And we've all heard this. If you don't control your calendar, your calendar will control you. So we have, like with Kronos, we have, to, you know, we have to have priorities and values and put those in there. And if we don't, then other people's priorities and values will infringe upon us. We get Kronos. But Kairos is a little more complex. And Kairos has some roots in the word from archery. And it's knowing the exact moment to release the arrow. Which doesn't sound like that big of a deal. But if you have a long shot then the trajectory is far off and there's variables like wind. To actually hit the target, someone would have to move their aim off the target. And kairos is the ability to deal with the variables of life to know exactly when to capture the moment. Kairos is those moments. It's the carpe diem. It's seizing the day. You see, time is measured by chronos, but life is measured by kairos. You know, when someone's getting married, they count down the days. Is anybody in here engaged? Anybody want to be? Okay. When someone, <laughs> I can do it right now. Uh, when somebody is getting married, they count down the days, the chronos. They count it down. But when the wedding happens, chronos stops. And we have these pictures and these kairos moments as the bride walks down the aisle. When a mom who is counting, moms are very conscious of how far along they are, aren't they? Melissa is 26 weeks and two days this very day. She knows exactly where she is in the pregnancy. And so we, we have Kronos all the way up, but when they lay the baby on the mom's chest, Kronos stands still, and we're soaking in the Kairos of the moment. Do you see these two kinds of time and play in your life? Back in uh, Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, be careful how you live, not as a fool, but as one who is wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Make the most of your time. Make the most of your time. Now, which, which word do you think they're using here? Make the most of your chronos, your calendar, or make the most of your kairos? The word that they use here is make the most of your kairos. Make the most of those opportunities and those moments that arise. Make the most of those. Time is measured by chronos. Life is measured by kairos. And discerning the difference between the two is at the heart of what it means to make the most of every opportunity. Don't get them confused for each other as you go through your life. Kairos is living fully for today. As if today was your last day, it's being fully present. And what about smartphones? Smartphones are like kairos blinders. If you get on your smartphone and you are just immersed in it, kairos moments can be popping up and flying by and we don't see them. That's not living wise. Kairos is understanding what the Bible means when it says, this is the day the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in this. You see, a wise person walks through their chronos, through their calendar, through their minutes of their life, the seconds, and listens to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And when those kairos moments, those opportunities arise, steps into them and brings redemption and love. We have two kinds of time. The Old Testament book of Esther, we find a narrative about the Hebrew people, God's chosen people in the Old Testament. And they're in great peril. 
An evil politician named Haman has convinced King Xerxes that the Hebrews should be annihilated. And so they are um, on the brink of genocide. And Mordecai is a godly Hebrew man. And Mordecai hears this decree and he goes to see the queen. The queen's name is Esther and she happens to be a Hebrew. And he goes and talks to her and he says, although you might think you're safe because you're the queen, there's more going on here. And he says in a famous speech, he says, don't think because you're in the king's house that you alone will be spared. If you remain silent while this is happening, God will bring deliverance from another place, but it will not be for you and your family. And who knows, could you have come to your royal position for such a time as this? For such a time as this, Esther, you're who you are and you're where you are. Mordecai is saying, you better make the most of this opportunity People on the brink of genocide and Mordecai knows that God is setting Esther up in the right place at the right time. And I want you to know that God still does that with us today. He has and is placing you in unique places with influence unique only to you to redeem the Kairos moments that arise. He made you you where you are to bring redemption in a way only you can in those supreme opportunities that you get to step into. Kairos moments, they happen in life. They're happening all around us. Are you seizing them? Are you making the most of every opportunity? Uh, even farther, are we seeing these opportunities? Are you feeling the prompt of God to, to stand up, to speak, to take action, to, to have compassion to love God and love people, our vision statement. Are you feeling his promptings to, to step into these opportunities and bring redemption and bring Christ's life? Redemption and salvation live in the Kairos moments. And we're supposed to make the most of everyone we find because the days are evil and God has asked us to redeem them. When it comes to seeing and redeeming these moments, there's some truths I want us to remember today. The first truth is trust God's timing. Now, I know that sounds so Sunday school and it's a, make a great bumper sticker, but it is perhaps one of the hardest things that I've found in life. In fact, personally, I, I would think that trusting God, the hardest part about trusting God is often his timing. I trust that he's good. I just wish he was really good right now. <laughs> it's his timing. He doesn't always come through when I think he should. It's interesting. I wrote something a decade ago that spoke to me then and I read it this week and it still speaks to me just as strong. It says this, while redemption takes longer than I thought, it's more beautiful than I'd hoped. Redemption always takes longer than we thought it would. And there's many of you who've been through breaking seasons, tragedies, heart-rendering circumstances, losses, betrayals, or the normal stuff life brings along. And you're wondering, God, where is the redemption in this? God, wh when are you gonna show up in this? God is never on our timeline and it's not easier for us to be left waiting for that, is it? Redemption doesn't always happen as fast as I wanted, but it's always more beautiful than I'd hoped. 
this past Friday was first Friday and I was out with my friend Jake and we were having a lot of fun and um, it got to the end of the evening and we were hungry and by that time it was after 10 and in, in the metropolitan town of Carbondale after 10, um, it's hard to find a place that's open without a long line because there's like one of them and he goes, don't worry, I got you and he left the house. Now, what's he gonna bring back? What, what do you, what, I mean, what, where can he go? And, and he told me, I'll, I'll be right back and, and I won't say I was proud to eat the 7-Eleven chicken roll. <laughs> but at that moment, there was nothing like it. Is there anything faster in life than gas station food? It's just there. It's under a heat lamp. There's no timer. It's not like a restaurant. It's just been, it's been there since the 60s. It is what it is. And, and it was something, and now it's something else. Like the big, the big brats turn into hot dogs and everything, you know, it's just kind of, but it's instant processed goodness, Right? right? You know, we're becoming a people increasingly addicted to instant things. We got instant oats, instant ramen, instant milk and rice, but then we have Tinder that gives us instant dates, and we have, we have things like texting that gives us instant contact, and we have FaceTime that gives us instant community, and we have the internet that gives us instant whatever, I mean, we live in an instant time where we get instant things, but to take it a step farther, we become a people who want instant dream fulfillment, instant promises fulfilled, instant character in me and my kids, instant intimacy in our marriage, instant solutions. We watch TV shows that resolve in half an hour, and we're troubled when our lives don't do the same. We want instant resolution, but God does not work on the 7-Eleven schedule. He's more of the sowing and reaping schedule. The Bible says this, don't be, don't be mocked. Don't be deceived, God cannot be mocked. Whoever sows plants to please their own selfish nature is gonna grow a crop of destruction. Whoever plants to, ple to please the spirit, God's spirit, from that spirit will reap a harvest of eternal life. Don't become tired of doing good because at the proper time, at the proper kairos, at the proper moment, we will reap a harvest of godliness if we don't give up. See, you can't break the law of planting and reaping. You can't break the law of sowing and reaping. You can't, there's no cheat codes. There's no cheat code to farming. You're going to reap what you sow. We want instant salad from our garden, but you're gonna get what you planted. We want instant character in our kids, but they're, you're gonna get what you model for them over time. You want instant character inside of us, but you're going to harvest what you plant within you. God works on a slower, a different schedule. And there are times he shows up and does things in an instant that should take decades. God can do whatever he wants, but oftentimes we are waiting for God to move and while we are sowing and reaping. He doesn't always work on our instant timeline. And oftentimes, there are certain things that, um, there are good blessings and answers that God delays in giving us. A time-delayed blessing. It should have come here, but for some reason it's delayed. Or a time-delayed answer, or a time-delayed prayer. Some of us are asking for answers to things, and it will be delayed until heaven when we see the reality of why it happened. There are some things we won't know here in this time. The story of, of Esther is a great example of this time-delayed blessing because we, in Esther 6, we have Haman, the evil politician. He set into motion the plans to kill all the Hebrews and he's delighted with himself because the person he hates most is the godly man Mordecai we talked about. 
And tomorrow, Haman has arranged for Mordecai's execution. He has built a 50-cubit-tall pole to which he's going to place Mordecai tomorrow. Esther 6.1. The king, Xerxes, doesn't know about Haman's plans with Mordecai. But that night, King Xerxes could not sleep. Sovereign insomnia. You ever been kept awake and wonder why? Sometimes it's the 7-Eleven you ate, but sometimes it might be God. <laughs> and there are times when you can't sleep, you might want to get a pen and paper and say, what do you want me to, what do you want to tell him? What should I know? King Xerxes couldn't sleep. So he ordered the book of the Chronicle, the record of his reign, to be brought out and read to him. In there, he found it was recorded that Mordecai, the very person we're talking about, had exposed an assassination attempt by Big Thana and Teresh, two of the king's guards. They conspired to kill Xerxes and Mordecai had thwarted it. Xerxes read this and read that it happened a time a while ago. And he asked about it. Had Mordecai been rewarded? And he hadn't, so he wanted to make it right. Now, if I'm Mordecai, I'm resentful. Not only have I saved the king's life, I saved his life and now he's decreed that me and all my people would perish. I'm so glad I saved this kingdom. It would have been better if I had not. Where's, my, where's the reward? Where's the favor for me saving his life? There was a time-delayed blessing. He didn't get what was due to him. It skipped him over. But oftentimes, God works on a timeline that is not our timeline. And on this night, the king reads of Mordecai's deeds. Realizing it went unrewarded, he wants to make it right. Now, he doesn't know about Haman's plans, but there on the very eve of Mordecai's execution, the king has insomnia and reads about Mordecai. And spoiler alert, by the next afternoon, Mordecai isn't on the pole. Mordecai is on a horse, the king's horse, wearing the king's ring, and Haman finds himself on the pole that he made for Mordecai. Now here we have to ask some questions. What are the chances that King Xerxes would get insomnia on the eve of Mordecai's execution what are the chances that he would request a reading from a book that would give an account of Mordecai? You see, it's believed by historians that King Xerxes of Persia, his library rivaled that of the Neo-Assyrian Empire of Ashurbanipal, which is a great, fun thing to say. And the British Museum declared that Ashurbanipal had 30,943 scrolls and books in its, its royal library. So the odds are, if Xerxes had about the same size of library, it rivaled that one, the odds are on that evening, that one night, if he asked for a book, it was one in 30,943 that he would choose that one. But wait, there's more. Think about how big the book would have been. It's a book of the reign of Xerxes and, and of the years and every, um, every record, every happening, every petition, every ruling is in there. Every, it's, it's, a, it's the dialogue of his reign. And so if you, let's say it's a thousand pages, being conservative. We have, we have 30,000 books. We have a thousand pages. And we have that night. Here's the, here's the kicker. It's that book. It's that page. It's that paragraph. It's that night. And if you take all those together, the odds are something like one in 11 billion. And a lot of change. And it's at this moment we begin to ask, I wonder if God's involved. I wonder if on the eve of Mordecai's execution, God had a hand in this happening. And see, part of making the most of every opportunity, part of making the most of Kairos, is discerning the difference between coincidence and providence. And, and at times we make mistakes, and we get them switched up. 
And we think God's telling us to do something, but it's just life. And sometimes God's telling us to do something and we think it's just life. Part of discerning, part of living and making the most of Kairos is discerning what is life's coincidence and what is God's providence. And here in this story, we have to see, man, God has been involved and God is moving. You see, because it's important to recognize that God's involved. There is God's providence. It's important to recognize that there's a God who's ordering our footsteps. His word says he's preparing good works in advance for us to do. He's the God that, that finishes the good works in us that he starts. And even though our deeds might go unrewarded and unblessed that we think they, sh- they should be blessed in this life, God is up to something. His timeline is not our timeline, but he is moving in a divine and beautiful way. Mordecai could have felt neglected and passed over. I saved the king and now the king wants to kill us all. But God knew what he was doing And now Mordecai's good deeds are remembered and rewarded, not just by King Xerxes, but for all time as recorded in the Bible. Here we learn, trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. And when you begin to trust God's timing in your life, something beautiful happens. You get to rest. When you trust his timing, your engine of worry and of stress and of striving that runs so hot during your day, when you trust that God's in it, that God's, you trust God's timing, you get to quiet that because God's got this. When you begin to see you trust God's timing, you, see that God, you know that God sees you. God sees what you're going through. He knows your hurts. God knows your needs. He knows your fears. He knows your woundedness. He knows where you're terrified. He knows where you need him to come through. He knows these things. He's with you in these things. And he's in the timing. Now his timing's not ours. But he's in this. And he will bring it to fruition. Another important principle if we're going to redeem our kairos is don't be so focused on getting out of tough situations that we fail to get anything out of tough situations. Don't be just so interested to get out of something that's tough because God has lessons in it he's teaching us. Some of you, many of you, maybe all of us, somewhere in our life are in a waiting season. Is there anything more frustrating than being in a waiting season? Waiting for something to happen, waiting for something to pass. There's often a lot of pain in the wait. I'm waiting for this illness, this sickness, this this relationship to resolve something. I'm in the waiting you know, my, my daughter, Selah, just turned three. And Amy and I, we've done something since they were born. Every year of our kid's life, we give them a new virtue from the fruits of the Spirit. Fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, on and on and on. And sequentially in order, we give them one for every year of their life. And so when Selah was born, zero to one years old, her word was love. And what do you do with the little baby? You just love it. And you hope that it learns love as you just delight in this baby. And so the virtue of a newborn is love. And when my, our daughter turned one, love and then joy. And we're teaching Selah, we taught Selah joy. Now joy is not happiness. We're not teaching our daughter to be happy because there's gonna be times where life doesn't make her happy. We're trying to teach her that joy, she gets to choose joy when things are hard. And it's hard to teach a one-year-old this, but we made headway. And she, we, choosing joy is something that we say in our house. The next one, love, joy, peace. Teaching peace to a two-year-old. I know it's not a good fit. I know it's not really. <laughs> it lines up perfectly. And so for a year, we taught her about peace. And if you ask Salem this day, she will tell you a verse from Thessalonians that she prays when she needs peace. Takes a deep breath and then prays her verse. Well, now she's three. Love, joy, peace, patience. 
teaching a three-year-old patience. And we define patience in our household as waiting without whining (laughs) or waiting with peace. And so we're teaching her about waiting without whining. And I'm telling you, she's terrible at it. (laughs) And so am I. And so are you. waiting without whining, waiting with peace while life passes us by, while things happen, while we're in pain, while while things are breaking or broken. How hard is it to wait with peace? But the goal of a waiting season is what? To stop waiting, right? That's the goal. But what if I told you that the process is the goal? What if I told you that oftentimes we should care less about getting out of the waiting and instead dead start asking who am I becoming because of it who am I becoming becoming in it because in the process in the waiting I'm having my character changed you see God works in the waiting we whine in the waiting God transforms our character in the circumstance but we just want God to transform our circumstance And there's nothing wrong with asking God to transform circumstances. But ask yourself, what is he transforming in me through this? Personally, I've started started something new in my life. And I was hesitant to bring it up in here because some of you are going to want to fight me now. Um, But I started doing something called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu again. And it sounds like a Greek word, but it's not. It's, it's It's a martial art that trains you how to choke people unconscious or manipulate their limbs till they tap out. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, um, and so a couple times a week, I go to a gym, and I come back really sweaty with bruises, and my wife's okay with it. It's, a, it's amazing. And so I'm starting Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu back again. Ten years ago, it was, it was something I was dedicated to. I loved it. I, I trained it. I breathed it. I taught it. And then I go to the competition. And the competition is where it all kind of comes to, to a head. And I would go to this competition with hundreds of men and hundreds of women, all strangers. We would get in line. We would weigh in and then report to the mat of our skill and age group. And then when they call your name, you stand up on this mat in front of everybody and you face off with somebody you've never met before who wants to choke you unconscious. And you shake their hand, thank you for what you're about to do to me. And you look them in the eye and they have intent to manipulate your body to such a degree that you feel enough pain to say, tap, tap, sob, I submit. Imagine paying money to stare at a stranger who wants to ruin your day. I love it. I love that feeling. I love that being there in competition, just me and whoever this person is. He was seven. It was an easy match. Um, (laughs) I was the king of the dojo. No, I'm kidding. There's something about that moment that I love. But when I'm in that moment and I'm shaking hands and it's about time to go, the most important thing in that moment is the hundreds of hours that I have spent in the gym. What's important in that moment is that I have arrived at that place, a person who has exhausted myself, been humbled, been victorious for hours and hours and hours in training. You see, whether it's a, a competition or whether it's running a marathon or hiking a 14er or a bike race, listen, there's moments of glory. There's the summit, there's the win, there's finishing the race, there's all these things, but none of those things are possible unless you go through the process. I would not sit there and try to compete with somebody if I had not spent the time needed through the hardships of the gym. And some of you, you should not go sign up for a marathon if you have not run. You should not go climb a 14er if you have not climbed. Have you ever got off the couch and attempted such a thing? Life has a way of telling you no. Your body does as well. 
You see, it's the culmination of the process that helps you become the person ready to climb the 14er, ready to do the bike race. Whatever you do, there's a process of becoming. And you get it through that hardship. You get it through the training. You get it in those places. You get it in the grind. And if you short circuit the grind, you pay for it in those moments. You pay for it in the race. And the whole point is don't, don't look to short circuit. The process is in your life. Don't look to get out of the waiting just because it's hard. Because do you know what's harder? What's harder is facing what's coming next without the, without the character you needed to build in the wait. That's what's harder. Oftentimes we are being prepared for what's happening, prepared for what's going to come next. God is more interested in our heart and in our character. And in those circumstances, we want him to change. Guess what? It's in those circumstances he's changing you. Some of you today, you just be reminded of one thing today. You're going through hell. You're going through hardship. I want you to know God is with you. He sees you and he's working something into you through those times. He's transforming you in that season. You see, we go through a hard season and we just want to get out of it while God wants to get something in us through it. You may be in waiting season. You may be on pause. It may be painful. And maybe you're miserable. Maybe you're blaming God or maybe you're just wondering, God, where are you? Where are you in all this? And I would guarantee you, he is building something in you as you move through it for what is coming next. While you wait, all we see is the passing of Kronos, You ever feel like you're just losing time or something happens and you feel like you just wasted a bunch of years of your life? You've just lost Kronos or I'm wasting Kronos. But in the process of moving through time, don't lose track of the Kairos. No matter how hard the time is, God's bringing you opportunities to make the most of. There's redemptive opportunities in the midst of the the hardest waiting season. I I just listened to a, a story of a man who was kidnapped by pirates for two years and in year one and a half, he said, in my, I decided that I would forgive my captors. He had a Kairos moment in the midst of the worst Kronos I could think of. God brings us moments of redemption and opportunities to step into them. And when it comes to your time, we all know this, but let's just be reminded, we only get so much. James 4.14 says, you don't know about tomorrow, and what is your life? Our life is like, it's like mist. We see it, and then it's gone. Orchard, you only get so much chronos. You only get so much. And so be certain in the moment, in, in the lifetime of chronos, that you're redeeming and making the most of the opportunities that God brings you to bring life, to bring redemption. He brings you these moments to step into, to step up into. Amy and I have discussed that um, we don't want our marriage, the, we don't want the greatest thing about our marriage to be the number of years we've stayed together. I know people who have stayed together a long time and are miserable. (laughs) We don't want our badge to be a year. We don't want our badge to be Kronos. We want our badge to be Kairos. What we want our marriage to be built around is the, the moments, the opportunities, the only we get, good and bad, hard and glorious. That's what we measure our, our marriage by. As Kronos moves, we look for the Kairos with our kids in our marriage and try to make the most of those opportunities. Orchard, 
You only have so much chronos left. Don't judge your life by how many years. Judge your life by the opportunities God brings you because in one moment, he can bring you an opportunity that you step into and he leads you to speak redemption or take action or be compassionate or love God, love people in the world and something changes. Just like Esther stood up in a moment for such a time as this and saved all the people, God is leading you to step up into Kairos moments and perhaps see someone's soul transformed, salvation come to him and a, and a world redeemed. God is asking us to be a people who love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love people as ourselves and to look for the moments we can step into it and say, yes, God, I will step into this opportunity and I will speak if you ask me to, I will act if you ask me to, whatever it is. But Orchard, these moments are available to us and the Bible has told us in, in Ephesians 5 to make the most of the kairos that he brings us and I know that this week, Maybe this day, he's gonna provide for you a moment of clarity, a moment of calling, a moment of stepping up into something. As you move through your chronos, your day, your hour, your schedule, your work tomorrow, know that he's gonna bring you some moments of kairos where you get to see eternity happen. You get to, you get to partner with the divine to see redemption come into a moment. Orchard, this week, this day, have your eyes and the ears of your heart open because God is gonna bring you these opportunities and he's asked us to make the most of them. What does it mean to make the most of it? I don't know. That's, that you, that I don't know. There's so many different circumstances it could be. Another moment of opportunity that's gonna come up here as we take communion is for you. For you to have a moment with God where, where maybe for the first time in a long time, you pause, you pause and say, God, are you there? <laughs> God, I'm sorry. God, I'm here. Whatever yours would be, you have a moment of opportunity during communion. And I want to remind you about communion here at the orchard. You don't have to go through a class or anything to take part in this. Jesus said in the Bible, take this in remembrance of me. And if you want to remember Jesus, this is the symbol of his death, his blood and his body broken. It's just a thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice. And as you sit there with the, the symbols of that and thank him and take it, stop and ask his, say, God, what Kairos moment would you have for me? What right now do you want to say to me? What right now um, do you want from me? And then this week, Orchard, I, I hope we have so many stories of all of us who go through this week and find God calling us to step up into an opportunity of life change. We only have so much time left. You only have so much time. Some of us more than others. Don't elbow your neighbor. But I want us to live as those who are wise. Make the most of every kairos, every opportunity, because we live in a difficult and evil culture. Redemption's on the line, and we carry it. As we finish today, if you're here and you have a prayer request, it doesn't matter if it is huge or it is small. They're all important to us and it's important to God. We're gonna have people out front who would love to pray with you. Pray God blesses you or helps you, whatever that would be. Or if you have a question maybe today about salvation and receiving Jesus as your savior, come forward and talk to my wife. We'll be over here, some over here, and I'll, I'll be up front. But we wanna ask you during this time, during the worship and, and reflection, take a minute. This could be a Kairos moment, an opportunity for you to discuss, to have community, communion, with the divine God of the universe. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you order our days. We thank you that you have good works in store for us ahead. And Father, I pray the orchard be known as a people who step into good works and love this world. 
Not a church known for judgment, guilt, and shame. A church known for following Jesus, the one who loved. That we would love God and love people. Show us this week, show us this day, opportunities to step up into a moment to bring redemption to a world. Amen.